Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Yeah, aren't you thankful for second chances today, you guys? Cool. We have such an amazing team here at Hope. Some of you guys are wondering, where the heck did you go? What happened to you? Well, two things happened. Some of you guys know that we are helping um, restart a church here locally. It's our sister church called the Coastlands Naptos. It's just a couple miles down the way. If you go down Highway 1 and get off at Sea Cliff, it's right there in your face. And to kind of meet another part of our family in the body of Christ, and we reopen the doors over there, and God is moving. Great things are happening. Thank you for sending us to be able to help uh, another here, and uh, the plan is for me to be more often than I have been, but what happened was I also got COVID. It messed me up, man. I got messed up, and I, I was vaccinated. I don't know want to mess with the, you guys or get into the whole uh, discussion about that, but um, I was fully vaccinated and um, unknowingly was exposed by someone and uh, unknowingly gave it to my son. And so we quarantined for two, over two weeks, man. I've been like just in isolation, me and my boy. Um, and that's a real thing is, isol- is, is being in quarantine, right? Uh, also, another thing that's a real thing is the COVID brain. Okay, people joke about that. Like people talk about pregnancy brain. Well, COVID brain's a real thing. I spent about 10 minutes trying to remember what I was thinking about this morning, trying to prepare for this message. So I'm just going to ask for your grace in advance. Is that cool? I'm, I'm having a little bit of like a senior, senior moment. Thank you. It's good to be back with you guys. I'm so uh, humbled to be with my friends here who lost their home in the fires this last week. And so if we can just extend prayer to um, our dear friends, the Hutchinsons, um, who are here worshiping with us about the goodness of God. And Joe's first text to me was, hey, how can we help the other people in the community that didn't have insurance? And so I love that heart. That's the heart of God right there. It's like he, they lost their home, and they're already thinking about how to serve other people. Isn't that cool? So we want the church come around them, but also you have a family. We love you guys in any way that we can be here for you, help you, help you serve that community. We would so we know we lose our homes. Some do, but I don't. And we a crazy time in the world, right? With fires and everything going on in the world. And now with the Delta variant and the people like me getting up here saying, "Yeah, I was vaccinated. I got the thing. Whatever." It's just a crazy time. But aren't you grateful that we have hope? We grateful we have in the midst of all of it. Like you feel like you're in a leper colony or something, you know what I mean? You know, you can't just go through the drive-through at Burger King. You can't go into Target, you know. And so I'm, we're dependent upon people brought us meals. And uh, Chris and Amy Matley, they um, they have a they have a guest house in their house, at the back of their house. They they normally have family that stays there, when there right now. And so we were able to, me and my son Kale were able to stay in full isolation for two weeks. And let me just tell you, my son was the best 
um, I, call him, I call him the QB. He was the MVP QB because he was the MVP quarantine buddy. He was the best guy you could ever, <laughs> I'm telling you, he was the best quarantine buddy in the whole world because this is his best life. Play Legos, play Nintendo Switch. He's into this Animal Crossing game. And we watched superhero movies every night. We did the full Spider-Man like marathon, you know what I'm saying? He's at that age now where we can watch some of those. And uh, he actually really had this wonderful time of bonding even. Um, but um, it's funny because people would stop by to drop by, you know, and it's like, you know, it matter, it's funny how when you have COVID, no matter what people think about the whole thing, you know, they still don't want to hang out. Nobody wants to hang out with you when you have COVID, apparently. So I learned that. Um, <laughs> it's a hard no, right? You want to come in? Come on, you want to come in and hang out? Hard no. Um, so it got me thinking about what are, what are some hard no's? Do you guys, have some, you guys have a hard no? Chris Matley, his hard no is mayonnaise. For me, I, got, I was thinking about what are some, one hard no for me is oysters. You want, you want to have some oysters? Hard no. Anything that's squishy and fishy in your mouth. I mean, I, I'm a fisherman. I'm not into the oysters. Another hard no for me, and no offense if you like country music, but country music is a hard no. I've only been in two cop cars in my life, and both times the heater was blasting, and so was the country music. Good, because I was going to pick up my car that got stolen, but the other one, yeah, that's the story for another day. Um, or when I was single, Laundry was a hard no. You're like, how did that work? I had this big pile of clothes. I called it the compost pile. And you would go in there and you'd pick something out and you give it a little, I call it the smell check. Give it the smell check and if it passed, you could put it on. If it didn't pass, you'd throw it back in there for another. And then every like once a month, I would just take the whole pile and throw it in the laundry, overflow with bubbles and everything and just run the whole thing through and back on the floor. That was my laundry situation. Another hard no for me back in the day was ballet. All right? Being a skater in the 90s, I had the baggiest pants, right? It's like we, it was all about the baggy pants. It's funny because they're starting to come back again now, the baggy pants, because it was the tight pants, like Axl Rose and the hair bands, and then it was like the grunge bands and the skaters in the 90s. That's kind of my, my era. We had the big baggy pants. And so for me, like, Ballet is like, it's the most, I mean, can you think of any way you could make your pants any tighter than the ballerina, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just didn't get it. But then, here I am, out of high school, volunteering at church, I met this, this girl named, well, I, I knew her from the third grade, hadn't really hung out, it's a long story, because I was a hard no for her, because I you know, and, and ballet was a hard no for me until Jenny, Christy invited me to come watch her dance, and she was a professional dancer in Pasadena. I drove out there, and all of a sudden, I was getting cultured. I wanted to know what a tondu was, what a pirouette was, who and is ballet. My daughter is dancing ballet. My son is taking ballet. He did, he did it this summer. And guess what? I took a ballet class, because I wanted to learn. I took a ballet class. Sometimes you can move past your hard no. By the way, I'm in there doing, you know, it's like, it looks so simple doing these little things, right? 
dude, I was wrecked for like three days after my ballet class. I was sore. Okay, I actually have a point to this message here. Hard no's. Who are your hard no people? People that you've been off and said no. Hard no. We're going to talk about a guy today that was a total write-off. Definition of write-off is to dismiss someone insignificant. So somebody that is a hard no to society, a hard no to, to you, a hard no to me. Let's look at this guy named Levi in Luke chapter 5. You guys have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we got it up on the screen for you. One of those passages you could just fly right over if you've read the Bible a bunch of times or you grew up around church, but I think there's so much cool stuff here. I've always been kind of just inspired by Levi's story. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Let me just say something real quick here. In the day of Jesus' the tax collectors were considered probably the most hated people. They were your hard no. You didn't invite them to your birthday party. You didn't hang. They weren't allowed to go to church because they were considered unclean, and you would never invite them over for dinner. This is this guy, and first of all, his name, Levi, might be because he's from the tribe of Levi, which were the priests, right? So he didn't make the ministry. He didn't make the cut. And somehow he ended up being a tax collector. And it's, it's not like the guy that does your taxes today, okay? That's the good person. You want that guy on by your side. Um, you know, and I, I don't know how you feel about the IRS. But um, this was arguably much more corrupt of a system. It was like the mafia, so if you were a tax collector, you could charge the tax and anything beyond it that you wanted. Pretty nice, right? You could, you could so let's say, you know, they brought us and I'm the tax collector. I could say, well, it's $40. $20 to them, $20 to me. One for the government, for me. And that's how these guys made a living. And to add to that, nobody in that day wanted to be ruled by the Romans. Right? The Jewish people wanted to be sovereign, and they had this dream of a Messiah coming to lead them out of this, this oppression that they were in. And so for Levi, who's somebody who didn't make the cut for the ministry, to go and work for the Romans and charge taxes to his own people, he was considered someone that betrayed his own people. He didn't fit in with his people. He didn't fit in with the Romans. The only people he could hang out with were the write-offs, the outcasts, the castaways, the people that nobody wanted to be around. That's who Levi's friends were. And we've heard different stories about people that maybe came to Jesus, you know, the leper that came to Jesus and asked him, and maybe the paralytic that was brought to Jesus. But this is another step forward. This is Never go to Jesus or even go to church and think that he would have a chance. Like, literally, he had no shot of redemption. There was no pathway to him becoming right before God in his current vocation. And yet, look at the story. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector, tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Instead of writing him off, Jesus writes him an invitation and says, come follow me. And Levi got up, left everything, followed him. 
recognized the value of his second chance. Right? Jesus recognized the value of this person beyond the outward appearance and, and what they were doing, their behavior. But Levi recognized his chance and says that he left everything. This was a lucrative job. He was balling. Even though no one wanted to hang out with him, he had money, and I'm sure he had a nice house, and he liked to have people over. So check this out. So he left everything, followed Jesus, and then verse 29, do party. Check this out. Verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were, another scripture says, and sinners and tax collectors, which is kind of a bad word to call somebody back then, right? When you, you, you know, you didn't, they didn't call their own people sinners, right? And so Levi was a tax collector, but they called him a sinner. Another, another uh, translation says that they were eating with them. So Jesus is there at the party with all these sinners, tax collectors, the outcasts of society, the write-offs. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who had belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Like, why do you hang out with these people? And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right? So we talked about this, about what's going on here and how profound this is. Jesus is making a statement in front of everyone. He's making a statement. Like he sends a message, right, to the insiders and levels the playing field. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And then he sends the message to people that are on the outside that maybe you can find a way too. Isn't that cool? Jesus doesn't write off anyone. I have one point today, and that's it. Jesus doesn't write off anyone. Aren't you grateful he doesn't write us off? I'm so grateful he doesn't write us off. He didn't write me off. Write-offs are good when you're doing your taxes. I learned they're not the same as refunds, though. You actually have to spend the money. I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, it's kind of nice having spouse. But you don't want to be, right? Even though Levi was written off by everyone, Jesus didn't. And Jesus, all of his, I mean, Levi's friends were all of the write-offs. And Jesus showed up to the party. How many of you guys know is following Jesus at some point, you might be at a party with a bunch of sinners? Right? Doesn't mean you have to jump right in and be there like, be like everybody, because Jesus was strong enough that he could be in the midst of these people that were doing bad things. They were extort, uh, doing extortion on their own people. Tax collectors. Doesn't mean that Jesus was like cool with that. God's not cool with our sin, right? There's, there's, I think sometimes we can get confused by that. Is he just hanging out with the sinners saying, oh, I'm just cool with it? No, God's hard no is sin, right? God's hard no is sin. In fact, he had to die. Like, that's how broken we are, friends. That's how broken I am, is that God had to die for me. That's how serious God's hard no is. But instead of writing us off, the other definition of write-off, do you guys know what the other definition of write-off is? So we, the first definition was to dismiss someone as, uh, or something as insignificant. 
But the other definition of write-off is cancel the record of a bad debt. Acknowledge the loss or failure to recover an asset. Right? He writes off our sins. Not because of something that we do, but because of what Jesus has done. And I know that's such a simple concept, but it's so, it's so true in that it's not about our own efforts, our own works that we get into the kingdom. It's because of what Jesus did. And what happens here is that when, when Jesus doesn't write off Levi, it sends a message to the community. There's other people in the community that were write off. You might have heard the story about Zacchaeus. He was like the biggest tax collector of them all. He had the biggest house. He was, I mean, he had this thing down. This guy was like the, the godfather of the tax collectors, even though he was a little man, right? And we later in the scriptures that Zacchaeus would come to know Jesus and Jesus would come and have dinner at his house. And so by Levi experiencing the second chance, it gave hope to other people. Did you know that? That when we experience that second chance and recognize the value of it, is that it actually gives hope to other people, that they might be able to have a second chance. They might be able to, able to experience. I think it's important for us that we remember that, too. Because I think sometimes those of us who've been around the church for a long time, like, I've been a pastor since 2001, right? So I'm paid. Right? And I think sometimes we forget that we were lost, and that we are in need of God just as much as anybody, right? I love how chief of sinners, right? Paul, half of the New Testament, was a murderer. He was a write-off in his own way. Moses, in his own way. Noah, all these fathers of faith, you look back at their stories. David, the great king, you could, you could write him off because of what he did too. But God is a God of second chances. And he does just to show us his love for us, but he wants to show his love to a world that desperately needs to know that there's mercy and grace. Right? I love what the, the, the scriptures says in uh, Matthew chapter 9. Now this is another account of it, but he adds a little bit to this. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And this is not a word that people would use for themselves back then. You, it was kind of a bad word. Like if you called somebody a sinner, I mean, you can imagine some of the words that we use nowadays that you may be using for that. But even, even today, if, like, you know, like you have, if somebody called you that, right, you're like in line at Starbucks and you accidentally you off and they don't, you don't realize that. What do you do when you sinner, right? It's not something we want to refer to ourselves in. But that Jesus is leveling the field here. He's setting us up for something that Paul's going to tell us in a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll point that out in just a moment. But this is why Jesus came. It's to show us that we can have a second chance. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Aren't you thankful for that? Jesus came for those who need him. And no perfect people allowed. I've yet to meet one person that says, oh, I can't come. But the reality is that oftentimes churches project this image that we have it all together. And what that does, the message that sends to the world 
is how I'm not going to fit in there until I go and get my life together. And then the reality is that we're all write-offs. The reality is that we're all sinners. We've all blown it. We've all, it's Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, all have sinned, right? So Paul's like saying, oh, my people, guess what? You're all, we're all sinners. Not a word that we want to say about ourselves. And we fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ, by, by Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that? I love how Jesus, look at what happens for Levi. Jesus restores him into community, right? More than just being quarantined for two weeks. This guy had been basically quarantined his whole life. People like ran away from him like he had COVID-19 and they didn't want to get near him. They didn't want to, you don't want to invite people over for dinner that have COVID-19, right? You don't want to invite Levi over for dinner either because you might catch what he's got. Jesus restores him. Not only did he restore him into community, but look at this. It's so beautiful. He offered him, this guy who had no pathway for redemption, he offered him a pathway to redemption. So Levi's name, uh, his name in in Hebrew was Levi, but his Greek name, do you know what his name was? His Greek name was Matthew. And maybe his name was Matthew from the tribe of Levi, whatever, but the funny thing about it is that Matthew, in his gospel, uses the name Matthew, which is the Greek name, which he didn't fit in. And then Luke writes his gospel, uses the name Levi, which is Hebrew. So he didn't fit in there. And it just, it gives, it shows this picture of this guy that didn't fit in anywhere. And not only did God restore him in community and say, hey, come follow me, come hang out with me, instead of going through all the steps of being perfect, memorizing the whole law, doing it all right, and then getting invited to be a disciple, just, just, leave, just leave your life sin and come with me. Let's throw your sinner friends. Jesus shows up to the party. He offers him a community, but then he offers him a pathway to redemption. Levi's tax collector skills of keeping good records of names, right? He's down names. God worked that to share the gospel to countless billions of people. You see, 95% of the world's population has lived in the past 2,000 years since Levi wrote his story in the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus picked Levi to write down his story at the most strategic time in all of human history. If you think about that, that's pretty wild. And here's this guy that was the total write-off that wrote the book. Wrote the, he, out of all the Gospels, this was the first eyewitness account that we have, how many countless billions of people have read and have access to the story of Jesus. Talk about redemption. God uses something that Matthew's good at, writing down names. He starts with his genealogy, right? He's writing down names, keeping a good record. And God uses that to write the good news, write an invitation to the whole world. That's so cool. I love, how, I love how God just uses his story to, to level the, playing, the spiritual playing field because we all need his mercy. We all need his mercy. And instead of being a write-off, he writes off our debt. He writes off uh, you know, where we have gone wrong and where we have sinned. 
And um, even though Jesus has the power to judge, he was sinless. He's got the power to punish us. He wants to show mercy. Isn't that cool? And us, on the other hand, we don't have the power to judge or punish, but we want to, don't we? Every day, if we're honest with ourselves, the second we leave the house, maybe, maybe even just when you look in the mirror, instead of seeing yourself through the, the lens of mercy and God's love, we see ourselves through the lens of judgment. And God wants all of us to experience this salvation that comes from him. 1 Timothy 2, 3-6. through This is the context of praying for the kings and leaders in authority, okay? Um, regardless of where we stand politically, that's something that God's called us to do, is to pray for our leaders and respect that authority. And, and, but, but this is the context of that. 1 Timothy 2, 3-6. through God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. That was my story. I was a write-off. I, was, I remember uh, my wife, Jenny, in high school was afraid to talk to me because of the crowd that I hung out with. And you know, I was like the skater kid in a punk rock band and... Um, whatever, you know, just kind of going down the wrong path. And Jenny's mom was the principal's secretary, and so she knew all the dirt on me. Whatever you do, do not ever hang out with Danny Bennett. You know? And it's so funny because then she went away to dance professionally as a ballerina, and I didn't see her for a couple of years. And in that time, through a church that had a heart for dirty skateboard punk rock kids like me, I found Jesus and my life began to change and turn around. I started volunteering, setting up chairs, started playing in the band at the youth group, and God just began to change my life. I went on a mission trip to Mexico. I just got back, and I'm in the car at the hospital because one of our friends, mutual friends, got in a bad car accident. How many of you guys know, even though bad things don't happen, God will, he'll use, he'll, he won't waste anything, right? And so I'm there, and I'm in the car. I'm praying for my friends. And I knew and that I could be able to witness to him in the hospital. And I'm in my car, bowing my head, my old 65 Mustang, and I'll hear this knock, knock, knock on the window. And it's Jenny. And she hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I was praying. You were, we were, what? Because she couldn't believe that I was praying. I just told her about how Jesus came into my life and changed my life. And I just started, I went on a Mexico mission trip. It was a surf Mission trip, serve and surf. It was awesome. We built some bathrooms for some people, and then we went and surfing down in Oaxaca. It was awesome. Anyways, but um, and I'm telling her this story, and uh, and and then you know it's this cool thing because I'm telling her my second chance story, and she had grown up in the church, had never really fully made her faith her own. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. It's my story of experiencing mercy and grace and changing my life to ultimately lead her back to Christ. So cool how God works. Um, I was thinking about, you know, this write-off, this hard-no story, and I was thinking about uh, someone that impacted my life a lot, a guy named Eric Van Rie. He, whoever, grew up in Inglewood, lots of riots and gang violence and drugs and... Um, you name it, right? Um, not a great student. 
grew up around with domestic violence, was beaten by his father and partied and started doing coke, started dealing coke. By now he's living in the Bay Area and became one of the prolif most prolific drug dealers in the Bay Area. He was, I don't, I don't know what that means, but he was sent, selling 10, 10 kilos a week. Had an Uzi, got raided by 30 police officers, went to jail, made the front page of the Mercury News. And, um, but he knew there was more to life. And when he got out of jail, he was still dealing, but he got a real job at Guitar Center, and that's where he met Jody, who would ultimately become his wife. And she was a church girl, and he wanted to date her. And so she said, why don't we go to lunch with my brother? And she shared the gospel with him. And Eric came to know Jesus Christ in a church that was planted out of a guy that was homeless in Santa Cruz who came to the Lord and planted out of the, church, out of the Coastlands Church, actually, uh, Stuart Nice planted this church in San Jose, and Jody was part of that team, and Jody led Eric to the Lord. And Eric's life began to change. This guy who was a total write-off. I mean, I mean, think about it. This guy was, like, heavy. He actually went to a church at one point. No one would make eye contact with him because he looked so evil. And Eric's life began to change. And Eric became a pastor. And Eric began, uh, be began to pursue the calling of God in his life. And he... He and his wife, Jody, before he passed away, tragically in 2016, they planted more than a dozen churches, one of which is in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is not an easy place to plant a church. And um, they were coaches when I was planting Hope Church. He came alongside us and believed in us and gave us that, just that. He challenged me. He's the guy you heard me tell this story about somebody that challenged me to, if I could do anything for God and if I had millions of dollars, if I had a million dollars, what would I do for God? He was the guy that challenged me on that. And I'll forever be blessed by his life and his story. And I'm so grateful for a church that didn't write him off. I'm grateful that I was someone that wasn't written off. And today as we kind of land the point in this message, I want to stop, stop and think about who have we written off? Who's your hard no? Who are the people that maybe we've categorized as irredeemable? Maybe it's you. You've written off yourself. Maybe you've written off somebody else. Maybe you've written off Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways to, you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.